Pop Sugar's Love Rants is brought to you by Yuli, an innovative online healthcare platform exclusively for women that says buck that to the traditional healthcare system. Get online and get faster access to women's health and medicine by visiting yuli.com.au. Hello and welcome to Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm Melissa Mason, a journalist, podcaster and the host of Love Rants. We're here to have conversations that get to the heart of various topics that fall under the broad umbrella of love, sex and relationships. Throughout this series, I'll sit down with someone different as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Love Rants. I am your host, Melissa Mason, back again. And this week I have with me, what would we call you? You're an author, Bridget. (laughs) You are a podcaster in your own right. It is, of course, Bridget Hustwaite. You might know her from radio as well. (laughs) A little jack of all trades, a jacket, a Jacqueline of all Everyone, trades. Everyone, a Jacqueline, a Jacqueline <laughs> of all trades. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm excited to chat with you again, Mel. I love talking about this stuff with you. I know. I was just thinking the same thing. I have, of course, been on your podcast talking about Yay. love and relationships and all the other stuff in between. And now you're here with me here. It's great. And what is our topic? Well, so today we're actually talking about the one, which I think you already know is a favorite topic of mine. <laughs> um, the the concept of it, is it a myth? You know that I think that it is, but <laughs> um, just spoiler alert for anyone else listening. <laughs> but yeah, like we're just going to kind of like get into it because I think that it is really like a topic that more and more is becoming difficult to get our heads around because I feel like if we wound back the clock decades ago, pre-social media, pre-dating apps, pre-like a phone that tapped into the internet in the palm of your hand where you had to like call a suitor on their <laughs> house phone and like meet them at the milk bar that you worked at. I don't know why everyone's wor- working at a milk bar in my fantasy here, but we are. <laughs> Bring them back. <laughs> I think that like the concept of the one would have made more sense because so much happenstance would have had to come into play to mm. meet a person, you know, like you just happen to grow up next door to this person that you fall in love with and you know you you're not gonna you're not the world isn't really your oyster right with meeting people yeah yeah well I mean I'm just so intrigued by like the origins of the one like and I was doing a bit of research trying to read up on it before this chat because I yeah kind of realized where did this even stem from and I think especially for women too like we are obviously conditioned and we have been historically to feel like we can't be happy alone or we do need to be dependent. Mm. So I, I think it's definitely way it weighs more on us. But did you know, like maybe fact to check me, but on the old internet was telling me that the one kind of stemmed from like Greek mythology. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. I do have some other like interesting factual information about the one, but tell me about this, please. Well, okay, I'm going to be terrible at telling you this because I can't even remember the names. I think Zeus was in the picture or whatever, like <laughs> a terrible history lesson. But, and the one, like, I can't remember which god or goddess it is with all the hands and their legs and everything, but apparently they're involved. But it, like, long story <laughs> short, Mel, it like stemmed apparently from Greek mythology. And I guess just over the years, it's been obviously, 
hugely commercialized and capitalized and now it's just got to this point like if we fast forward you know I just think the sessions that I kind of listen from like Esther Perel and stuff and how like how much we weigh on the one and even growing up in Disney movies like you Mm -hmm. know princesses like even just recently watching The Little Mermaid like you you gotta you know jump out of the water and be like Eric's the one like yeah, you need a bit more time to establish that, right? <laughs> Come on, Ariel. I feel like <laughs> I feel like if your gal just like flops onto your boat or whatever the <laughs> hell happened in that movie, you're probably like, yeah, okay, she's the one. <laughs> She'll do. <laughs> this is weird enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with so, it. So wild, <laughs> but yeah, it's just amazing how much it has kind of evolved over time, and even now, you know, in 2023, that we still. Uh, we still do kind of hark back to those beliefs that are kind of, yeah, so deeply embedded. When did you, like, when did you even decide that, no, you know what, there isn't the one? I think for me it was kind of connected to having relationship anxiety, which I've talked about on this podcast a little um, Mm. already. But basically, um, just as a recap for anyone tuning in right now, I will get into a relationship and just get deeply anxious, question everything. Um, I actually got recently diagnosed with OCD, which really checks out because (laughs) that's basically like what you do with OCD is that you like you're constantly second guessing yourself and, and really like leaning on like reasoning and and trying to find like I guess answers and you know like just second guessing yourself and like leaning on like reassurances and and so on and so I think because I'd kind of done that several times over with different partners I'd become fixated on the one and this kind of idea that you would just know that you would have this gut feeling that you would just Mm. like be so completely drawn to this person that it would be this perfect match nothing would ever get in the way the end finito right off into the sunset done like because I wasn't finding that I started to question that as a concept I was like this is a bit weird like every long-lasting relationship that I know of, like my parents and like other people, you know, Mm. even celebrities that talk about love, right? They're always talking about, you know, the ups and downs and having to put in work and, and kind of other facets of their relationship that draw them together beyond just this mythical, mystical idea of just being connected. And so I started to like, I guess, look at love more like, clinically which sounds very unromantic but oh no but I love that right yeah let's go clinical because like I started to go (laughs) okay what makes a relationship work long term like why am I attracted to somebody why would I then want to be in a relationship with them you know and and like you you would have been through this as well how many people have you met where you're like super super attracted to them or something and you've got this massively deep chemical connection but then they turn out to be like a total jerk or like totally wrong for you you know and so on and it's like the kind of magnetism didn't actually reflect like your actual compatibility yeah for sure and I think it goes the other way too like you know if you realize someone immediately maybe you're like oh maybe they're not the one and then what what's the point of kind of pursuing that but then later on your mind could change like unfortunately you don't you know know until you try these things and that does involve time and trial and error 
Yes, right? Like I'm such a big advocate of giving people more than one date and yeah. it's like this controversial opinion. Well, unless, they're, <laughs> unless they're like full not, I don't know, unless it's like red flag city, I don't know. I, I totally yeah. agree though. Like I'd be more lenient with it because, it, yeah, again, like it does take time to get to know someone and someone that you may have just had preconceived ideas about or doubts that like late like for example my previous relationship which has been the longest relationship that I've had it was five years and I thought you know I thought that was going to be the one in the sense of settling down and um you know maybe starting a family or whatever but at the start of of that whole thing you know even playing out I was like I don't think I like this guy and I'm not sure. But now looking back, I'm like, maybe that was the sign that I, you know, maybe I should have listened to that gut instinct. But there were also like really nice moments throughout the relationship. Um, but I do remember vividly at the start being like, I'm just not sure. But then, yeah, not, you know, a year or so in, I'm like, I really love this guy. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Well, I think also like, and this is why I think the one has become like less easy to digest in modern dating, right, Mm. is because we are so aware of what everybody else is doing. We are so aware of everyone else's, or at least our perceived ideas of what their relationships are like. We you know, with the tap of a finger, we can scroll through person after person to date, um, all available, you know, on the apps. Um, I don't know, people sliding into DMs, whatever's going on. There's just, it feels really like the, the pool is teeming with fish, even though everyone who is single will tell you that it is not actually like, and in yeah. the moment you're like, oh my God, it really isn't. But like, we still doubt ourselves I think when we do meet somebody when it doesn't play out like the little mermaid fairy tale like when we're not flopping onto someone's boat (laughs) of out of water fish gasping for air (laughs) and the guy happens to be really hot in an unbuttoned shirt like we're like this isn't it it's not right (laughs) <laughs> the Eric effect. No, you're, you're so right though. And then I guess when we think of like how connection, you know, connection has, like I just had a recent chat with um, a human connection scientist who was talking about, you know, in this time, connection is more effortful and deliberate than ever back in the day. It was, you know, we didn't really have to make the effort because it was all just within proximity, within your village, within that community. But mm-hmm. now that we have more isolated Um, you know, we can work from home or all the apps, you know, everything is in the disposable, like in the disposable of our hands, but that does make dating quite disposable too, that if you get that feeling that someone isn't the one or they're not ticking your boxes, you can just swipe and be like, well, it's, it's fine because I'll find someone else. There's so many people out there and I can find them in so many different ways. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is like the the blessing and burden of modern life is that we are so connected and we can escape like our village if we want to in that way. Like we can actually like be whoever we want to be and like go where we want to go and like, you know, transform ourselves away from where we were born and who, what the family we were born into and the people that we grew up around, like what that dictates to us. But Mm. at the same time, all of that choice. And we all grew up with this. I feel like we all grew up, you can be anything, you can do anything, you can go anywhere, you know, and the actual reality is no, you can't. Like you can (laughs) absolutely to a degree, but you can't actually have, like, I'm also a big advocate of you cannot have it all. Like Mm -hmm. you can, you can have 
the things like that really matter to you, I think you can collect several of those. But like if you try and it's like another lie, I think that not a lie that's been told to women, but just kind of this pressure put on women to mm-hmm. like you have to have it all because you can have it all, right? And so if we apply that to relationships, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just hearing this, you're definitely a four burners theory girly. Have you heard of the four burners theory? <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> it's I, I know James Clear has been talking about it a lot. He's a I don't know what professionalism he like, he's got a book out. It's like Atomic Habits or something like that. He's Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. The one everyone I, keeps I'm telling assuming... me to read and I haven't. Oh, are they? Okay. Well, I think I'm assuming he covers it in his book. He didn't create the idea. He's used it. I hadn't even know when it was. Again, it was just a really quick Google that I did recently. And I just remember like the the basics of it. But the four burners theory, it kind of applies more to like, I think it applies more to overall success and fulfillment in life, but it can totally be you know honed in in terms of relationships so it's like four burners on a stovetop right and one of them Mm. represents your family one represents your friends the third is your health and the fourth is your work and it pretty much says that like in order to be successful you have to cut off one of your burners and in order to be Mm. really successful you have to cut off two so there's no way you can have them all burning at the same time like um and they can change over time so like let's say maybe in your 20s and in your early 30s, for example, early to mid 30s, um, you might be working more on your health because you don't have other things that you have to commit to. Like you may not have a family that you're raising or whatever. So you can spend time on Mm. more time on yourself. And then um, maybe as well with work too, like you can spend more time on your own work, but then Uh, bring in family that might be you know high heat in your 30s or 40s or 50s because you're attending to that so maybe you can't attend to your own health or your own friends as much because you're caught up in Mm. you know that kind of stuff so that's just a really loose explanation but it is yeah apparently a really um widely embraced theory and yeah it's just kind of showing that you can't have it all on high heat at the same time and you have to kind of um, yeah, make, not make some sacrifices, but you just have to adjust accordingly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this totally checks out and I fully get that and agree with that. And oh, this is so bad. This is going to be the worst analogy. We're going from like literally a man <laughs> who has a best-selling book to the Sims. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. So relatable. Continue. But I, <laughs> I, love this. I was very obsessed with the Sims in my teen years. I actually still am. I always say this, like, it's like I have this constant like addiction in the back of my head. Like that if I just sat down, if I really, like, I always just really would love to just check out for a whole month and just play the sims the thing is you literally could though because you but you could so <laughs> easily lose track of time like I remember yes. even when I started on that shit as like a girl in high school and I'd be in the study and I would be in there from like 8 a.m to 8 p.m like suddenly it's dark <laughs> yes. and I'm like holy shit I've spent the entire day on this desktop computer on this making sims. this fake family and making then like drowning life. people in the pool yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was literally me. I reckon I've lost whole years of my teen life yeah, just to the Sims. But yeah. and it was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> but yeah, look, like say with the Sims, I always think of like, you know how they always had the bars. So they had like their social bar and their energy bar and like yes. their food yes. bar and so on, right? Oh, great and I always analogy. think like 
right? So I think that like you couldn't have them firing at all cylinders all in the green was like borderline unheard of if they were <laughs> having a job and raising kids, right? Yeah, so you were yeah. just like, what do I need? What do I really actually need right now? And let's just focus in on that. And like, okay, so to bring this all back to relationships because we've gone down some other path. <laughs> but I think that it parts. really, I think that it really does apply because the other factor that I think goes hand in hand with the one is like the list like your checklist and there was this whole trend right of like if you've been single for a long time you should write a list of things that you want in a partner and you should wait until you get someone who ticks off all those boxes you know or like you should manifest that person and they'll they'll occur in your life and we all really got into that and I think that there is a benefit in stopping and actually like analyzing what do I want from a life partner like for example Mm. something that I now probably realize that I always wanted but had never written down or anything was someone to be silly with like I'm not a very serious person I'm very silly Mm -hmm. and my partner Tom is very silly and like I've had serious partners in the past and it's not to say that that couldn't have worked out but I actually really value Tom's silliness and and Mm. we you know will just like not take life very seriously together um so that's probably something I could have written down you know on a list like this and would have made sense yeah yeah well okay so what is it then Mel like do we like uh, do we get rid of the one or are we reframing what the one is because again I think it does come down to managing those expectations and not having like I think the one can can exist but it can't be I think we just need to kind of redefine it and obviously it would be different for everyone but uh, I don't know well yeah like I think this is the thing I think that like I was saying, there is value in having some things in a list. Like I think it is good to sit down and go, what are my values? What do I want in life? Like do I want a family? Do I want – is travel super important to me? Like like seeing the world is – you know, is is humour, sense of humour, like something that matters to me? Do I like to, you mm. know, laugh a lot or do I want to have big, deep conversations? And like thinking about those things that matter to you that you would want to share with a partner because like I like travel and like Tom does like travel but like even if he didn't, I think I could just travel on my own or with friends and I wouldn't be too upset about that. So it's not yeah. like a value that I, I really think is a deal breaker for me to share with a partner but for some people it would be um and like family is obviously a big one yeah well just touching on that because that just reminds me of all the stuff that Esther Perel's been saying like I think she did she's done it in a bunch of podcasts and like her um TED talk as well like for so many people you expect um all of that stuff to just be put on your partner when oh what's she saying like the origins of a partnership and relationship was just you know provide whatever like stability but then now we've added in just a lot more I don't know if it's right to say a lot more emotional expectations or but like we're placing everything on that one person that we used to be able to get from a group of people so we need to go back to that do you agree to that kind of idea uh, do I agree? You just totally stole my Esther Perel <laughs> oh, reference and I love it. <laughs> In this house, we stand Esther Perel. I'm so glad you are here talking Perel thoughts with me um, because, yes, she is my like. We should she, call it like, her Perelism and- or something. Perelism, her and Brene Brown together just yeah. combined. They're my, I always call them my two mums. Um, I'm obsessed mothering. with them. 
<laughs> they're really mothering. Um, but yeah, that is exactly, exactly, um, that really impacted me, like reading her words on that. Um, mm-hmm. cause she's written about it a bit in books. She's also talked about it in her podcast. She constantly comes back to that idea that you should not be needing every single thing from your partner. In fact, she's Mm. kind of finds that unhealthy. She's Mm -hmm. sort of like you should have, you know, other people in your life that fill certain needs. And like I always think about it like Tom's not a gossip at all. Like he just does not gossip. (laughs) I love gossiping. I like like if he goes like truly whenever like any of his friends have some sort of drama and I want the update on it, he's like, oh, I didn't ask. I'm like, why wouldn't you ask? Why would you not ask them about that drama? It's like the only thing. What do you talk yeah, about then? Job. Like the footy? <laughs> like like two, three hours of talking about footy? Like what is even that conversation? And so, um, you know, like I love gossiping and, and it's probably unhealthy but whatever. Um, and so like I get that with my sister. Like she loves gossiping and so like Tom's not going to give me any of that. Whereas my sister's partner is a total gossip. They gossip Mm -hmm. all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, I think all relationships are different. And I think there would have been a time where I would think, oh, Tom, and this sounds so crazy to some people, but I would have been like, oh, Tom doesn't like gossiping. He's not right for me. Like we're not in sync on every part of what we like and how we like to spend our time and and how we see the world or something, you know, I would have really spiraled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like the one I don't know. I, I, it's just, it's so unrealistic to me that they can be everything that you need them to be. It's just not possible. Mm. Well, cause this is the other thing that Esther and I, I'm going to botch this one now. So watch me botch a reference <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't think these are her words. I think that she was referencing another, um, like a philosopher. So I'm very right. sorry, philosopher who came up with this idea, but Esther <laughs> Perel definitely referenced it. Um, that, there's a theory that we as society used to have a very big emphasis on religion and on God. And so mm. at the top of our life was God, right? And then mm-hmm. obviously as time has gone on, that has changed for a lot of people. But where we have taken, where that's shifted, we've actually replaced with the person that we end up with in our lives. So we've put them in the position of God. And the whole idea yeah. with God is like you get everything from God, right? And doesn't it make sense when you think about it? Like the way that we talk about this stuff yeah. is so mystical and magical and like out of this world and, and yeah. totally eradicates the day-to-day life that everybody has to live regardless of how amazing your partner is, you still have to do the dishes. You still have to go to work and come home. You're still tired sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. like we take all of that away and we're just like, but what if there's this incredible connection that I have that overrides all of that? And also when she was, um, when Esther was speaking about this in the context of infidelity as well, that really like, that was, I mean, that's a whole nother topic, like rethinking infidelity. But when she kind of brought that to light being like, we put so much on that one partner. So it's like the ultimate betrayal, but maybe we should take a step back and just think about all those things we'll play. Um, Not to say that I am (laughs) endorsing um, cheating because having, I've been cheated on and it fucking sucks. Um, But like, it's just really interesting when we kind of strip it back a little bit and then yeah think about all the expectations that we place on the person who we claim is to be the one and then when we say the one as well like the duration revolving that like is this the one for life or is it the one for right now oh my gosh exactly because like that's 
also I think, you know, anyone that has had a long-term relationship that's ended, like you were saying, you know, where you're in a relationship and you think, oh, this is the one, this Mm -hmm. is the person I'm going to build my life with. And then stuff happens and then that Mm -hmm. ends. So what are we saying? Like when we're talking about that, there's the one for everybody, how do we apply that to people who lose their partners for whatever reason, whether their partner, you know, like tragically passes away or what if their partner just leaves them, you know, and they so firmly believed that that was their one. Like how does that apply to other people's lives? It just doesn't actually make sense, right? Yeah. If we're going to have the ones, they are the ones that can be right for that point in time. Like so I think of my first boyfriend, right? So this guy was fucking loose, like um, bad, bad boy, naughty boy. Um, We were together for, (laughs) gosh, like it wasn't even two years. It would have been just over eight. 18 months before we broke up mm. but then the breakup kind of stretched out for a couple of months and it was silly but I it was my first boyfriend so I was 18 so from the age of 18 to 20 essentially I pretty much knew from the get-go that I wasn't going to marry this guy but I was like mm. Mm, you know like I want to experience my first you know serious relationship and not to say that I settled, but like he was there, like, you know, small regional town vibes. Like there's not, not a lot that you can do when you're that fresh out of high school. He and was also, just there he was with the skateboarder. There. They're always a skateboarder with the skateboarder. He's a fucking footballer. Um, but he was <laughs> just not yeah, a skateboarder. He, not a skateboarder. He was, yeah, and he was a naughty. He went to like court like three times during the course of our relationship. <laughs> and you're like, like he was hot. <laughs> uh, no, I was like, this is not it. Hey, like I was like, this is so embarrassing because I was such a goody two shoes. Like I was school captain at school. I was, you know. Oh my very, gosh, you're literally uh, looking for Ella Brandy. Yeah. <laughs> I so okay, criminal. I haven't seen. Oh, it. criminal, criminal. <laughs> well, I will just tell you is that Josephine Ella Brandy is like the school captain, and she's like. Super <laughs> Super good at school and she meets Jacob Coote from like the bad boy school. It's always a name that starts with J as well. It's always yes, the J's. Uh-huh. Always the J's. Always. <laughs> so she meet the bad boy and how long was she with him for? What happened? They went Oh, away. I don't know. It's like, I mean, I feel like it's going to, I don't think anyone else besides you has not read this book. So I don't think I'm ruining it for anyone <laughs> except for you. No, yeah. no, no. They, they actually kind of work out sort of towards the end, but there's always, there is actually exactly what you're saying. There is this kind of air about it. Like like for right now it was the right partner or like mm-hmm. it, it meant something at the time but they're probably not going to last because they're too different. Yeah, well, because it was like when we did kind of um, get to the end, the final stages of the relationship, I was like, yeah, like we should kind of cut it off because I like I, I don't see myself marrying you. So if I pursued it for any longer, like beyond two years, it would kind of almost start to feel like a waste, especially in my early 20s when I was like, I want to go out there and travel and like do my thing and, you know, move to Melbourne and meet people. But I totally think that like, yeah, you can have, you know, different partners throughout life to be the one because obviously through those experiences that's when you kind of realize more about your values and Mm. um you know your needs as well so I just don't think you're going to get it right and this is not like I want to be kind of cautious and considerate because I don't want to sound like I totally am um you know making fun of or belittling people like high school sweethearts for example like Mm -hmm. good for you but like I just don't for me personally I just don't think that would have happened for me like I just can't imagine that ever happening for me like I meet my one from high school and yeah I'm with them for life not at my school (laughs) 
<laughs> not with the footy player that goes to court three times. No, yeah. no. Not with Jacob Coot. Jacob Coot is not going to be for you. Now, we just want to take a moment to share about our sponsor, Yuli. Yuli is saying buck that to the traditional healthcare system by offering a hassle-free online service that empowers women with a modern approach to discreet, convenient healthcare and medicine. Get faster access to medical certificates, treatments and prescriptions like the contraceptive pill, emergency contraception such as the morning after pill, acne treatments, weight management, sexual health, even assistance to help you quit vaping. And it's all delivered to your door or inbox thanks to their innovative online health service. So say buck that and get online by visiting yuli at yuli.com.au to get your health sorted. But look, I, I agree. I don't think that would have been me either. My first boyfriend, I was in church. Like I went to church for like 10 years. I was super, wow. super religious. Yeah. A little fun fact about me. And, um, and, and you know, um, he was amazing. And I always think this, I think like if we had met in different circumstances, potentially, sure, we could have worked out but like at the time I was so green and even though like that was kind of expected in a church lifestyle I got to a point where I like needed to know more about the world and and needed to leave that and you know and that's not where he was headed directionally and you know Mm -hmm. so we break up and we don't break up in like a super amicable way like that it was literally just me having a panic and leaving him you know but like (laughs) like I think I think back to it and I'm like well that was the reason and so for me there was a lot of growth that I needed to do before I was actually emotionally mature enough to sustain a long-term relationship. But I think there are people, and I know I have this amazing friend, she has the cutest story, met her partner when she was like 13. They have photos from like their year, yeah, their year 10 formal together. And he looks like such a little nerd. (laughs) And then, you know, they grew up together, then married, they've got kids. They're so happy. They're perfect for each other. Like they're so amazing together. Like they have such a good partnership and so I think that what it really comes down to is like with anything in life everybody's different and Mm -hmm. every every life walk is going to be different and so why are we trying to shoebox it all into one way to live like everybody has to find the one otherwise you're not Mm going to be fulfilled in life you know and then you think about um Oh, something like I I always loved this book and I feel like no one references it anymore, but like Aziz Ansari, he wrote Modern Love. Did you ever read that? No, I've never heard of it. Okay, it's amazing. And he sort of looked at like arranged marriage stuff because I think his parents were in arranged marriage and they're like super oh. happy and and in culturally it was kind of expected of him for a while. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's plenty of arranged marriages as well that like statistically are proven to be really happy and fruitful and great partnerships. Like I think it it kind of to me, if I were to say what the modern one is in my Mm. eyes it's finding a person who is your friend that you also want to have sex with (laughs) (laughs) like like a really really amazing friend that you can spend all this time with all the time Mm. but you also still have an attraction to them Mm. so they're not just a friend yeah and I think what about you what do you think god man I don't even know if I could define what I think it is but (laughs) it's like because it's just I think it's just really hard, but I think it's for me, it's going back to just remembering that everything in relation to this and relationships are a choice. So you choose to make it work Mm -hmm. and you do have to compromise. Like you're just not going to roll in as you've kind of, you know, 
um, mentioned, you can't just kind of roll in and be like, the connection is fine and everything takes care of itself. That's that's mm-hmm. not how relationships work. And it's an ongoing, like you, it's ongoing work. Like you have to put work into relationships to maintain them um, throughout, throughout life. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably for me, I, I, I just don't know how I would precisely define the one, but I think it's just um, managing expectations and putting in, putting in work. Like it's, yeah. It's not as easy yeah. as just being like, it's the one and there's sparkles, you know, coming from the sky and chime music and it's sweet. I found the one. It, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Maybe I am with you a little bit in the sense of like not really knowing how to define it. Like I think that's like a simplistic version for me of going like, you know, I think you need attraction to be there. Like I think you need to mm. want, you want to be attracted to that person because otherwise how are they different from just a mate, right? Mm. But then at the same time, I think with Tom, like something that is really strong in our relationship throughout it always is that we are really close friends and like I just genuinely enjoy being around him. Mm-hmm. And so that gets you through or like makes you know, I always think as well, here's another one that I like to use is like, if you can do the most mundane stuff with them and have a Mm -hmm. good time, most of the time, that is a good sign. Like if you can go to the shops and do like your weekly shop and you're having like a better time doing it than you would if you were just like on your own, you know, and and you can like move house and like, you know, all these things like make Ikea furniture, like, you know, like not to say that it's never... Not yet, not to say that it's never like, you know, tumultuous doing it, but just like overall, if you're like, yeah, I just love having this person around um, and I also am attracted to them, want to jump their bones. Yeah. I think that they're good signs <laughs> at the very least, right? Like, yeah. like it's a good sign to have that. Yeah, I was, I'm actually just looking at one of the quotes that I know Esther did. She said, there is one that you choose and one who and with whom you decide that you want to build something. But in my opinion, there could have also been others. <laughs> I love that she yeah. like, just casually puts that last bit in. <laughs> oh, I, that's what I love about her. And that's what I 100 million percent agree with is that I always look at it like, here's this person that I met that I want to build a life with. Mm-hmm. But should anything happen? Because things happen and this is the other thing and I don't want to get like real dark here and every time I say this it sounds so dark but like how many super happy loved up couples have you seen where one of them was harboring some secret and then the whole thing implodes like, Mm. you know, someone was cheating for years. Sandoval's a liar. Sandoval's a liar. (laughs) Yeah. Invested in Vanderpump. Oh, so invested. Oh, my God. Let's. I'm going to have to control myself because this will become a Vanderpump Rules podcast. (laughs) But. Yes, right. So anyone listening, Vanderpump Rules, um, the quickest download is there was a 10-year relationship, Ariana and Tom Sandoval, that just imploded this season with an affair that no one saw coming. And mm-hmm. and I think that is a really good example of a couple where, you know, publicly, public facing, they looked uh-huh. absolutely perfect together. And then this implosion happens and even though you know he mucked up there were clearly also a lot of cracks in their relationship that people just weren't seeing and so Mm -hmm. I think I always think that like you know for her she would have thought he was the one she said it she was like she said it so many times he was I was ride or die for you I was ride or die for you I keep repeating (laughs) it to myself um I think she just said it once and was like that is a really good line I'm gonna keep repeating it and I support (laughs) her in that (laughs) But, you know, yeah, like she was fully like 
in it 100% and then that's, you know, essentially taken for, from her in the sense that she wants nothing to do with him and rightly so. Mm-hmm. So what what for Ariana then? Do we saying Ariana doesn't have a partner now like she just has to settle for second best no way Mm. there'll be like another person who will mean and like that's the thing is sorry to also go back okay so you could then say well Tom Sandoval wasn't her life partner that wasn't her one but then you're saying that 10 years of her life was just a blip which I then think is also really crap like you probably would feel this too about past relationships right yep Yep, 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 yep. I mean, I feel like I've totally upgraded, but I wouldn't be like I that five years was a complete waste because, again, yeah, and not to be all like, you know, cringy, but like you learn from these things. And I, mm-hmm. this conversation, I'm also just harking back, like I've literally got Ariana um, Grande's Thank You Next just in my head playing, <laughs> like as the music bed, like throughout this conversation, like what the me theme them? song. What me patience? Like that is just in my head right now. Um, but yeah, like, that's that's exactly right because at the time Ariana thought that Sandoval was the one and like obviously isn't but you can't yeah you can't fully just like you know as shit as he is you can't just diminish that that (laughs) near decade that they had together doesn't you know it's that was still a really significant part of her life it's yeah oh it's just yeah it's I have so many like thoughts just spiraling in my head about this because I feel like the one just stems into so many different questions it does. and thoughts. I and... really it taps into so much of I think yeah. what we like of of where we get stuck with love and I think a lot of our modern dating like anxieties because you know you go through your 20s and you're sort of like having fun for a bit right and mm-hmm. then you get to this point where people start coupling up or like your friends that have been together since high school start getting engaged or whatever and you're you're seeing all your friends partner off and then you start getting this anxiety like oh I need to now take this seriously and then when you start taking like when you start going into dating with more of a mindset of like well I actually want to find a partner I don't just want to like hook up or take whatever comes my way that's when I think things start to get difficult because that's when you get into the lists and the one and the spark and is it enough and and all of this stuff as well as obviously people that you think it might be right with and then it turns out that they're not that interested or you know Mm. they ghost you or whatever so it's a real minefield and I think like it's hard enough I think dating in the modern day without putting extreme pressure and expectation on this person that you're going to meet like I think obviously Mm -hmm. you should have standards and I think that and and it's a balancing game and only the person in it can make that call right yeah like what's right for me isn't right for you isn't right for someone listening like what what we need from a relationship and what what makes our right kind of relationship tick isn't going to be the same as somebody else's or whatever yeah so you need standards do you, do you agree with this statement? This is a big one. Expectation yeah. is the root of all heartache. Do you do you think that's Whoa. accurate? <laughs> is that an extra one? Uh, I don't think she said it. No, I just I've read it in like a couple of articles. Ooh. Oh, I don't think she said it. Because uh, I don't, I don't. It doesn't sound Esther-ish to me. I do. I I agree and I disagree. What do you think? Mm. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's loaded. (laughs) It's so loaded because that's what I'm, I think that's exactly what I was kind of trying to get at somewhere Mm. in that monologue that I was just saying. (laughs) It's either like, it's either your own personal expectations or also external expectations that have kind of been, um, you know, really 
dominant over time because again if you like go back to the conditioning especially for women and what we expect from relationships but even how relationships kind of you know started out because we always did see men as like they were the providers and we're the nurturers and stuff and then how that has kind of evolved over time even though now like women can can be more independent than ever ever but we still kind of have that lingering I feel in the back of our mind that we do need that person to depend on but how much do we Mm. like how much do we need to depend on them well, yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Is like I think I think that's where a form of a list or at least sitting down and journaling about like what am I looking for? Like what mm-hmm. what does my life look like and what needs to kind of align with another person, you know, to to make this a really functional relationship? Because I don't know, like this is my first long-term relationship I've had like other relationships in the past but this is probably the one where it's been the healthiest and longest and like we live together and all of that yeah and you got a dog and we got a dog and we got a little dog but yeah you know like I think something that you know has been really confronting or illuminating about this experience has been Mm. how much like the normality of life can impact like your relationship just the going to work coming home from work the stress the life admin the cleaning the house the managing of the dog the all the bits and pieces like that stuff still that stuff still has to go on Mm. and all of that stuff existed in my single life uh it's just that now I have a partner who I share that with um which I think is again a blessing and a burden because it's a blessing because you halve the load to a degree but then it's a burden because someone else is involved in your stuff and that's why I think like aligned values is a big one like what do you like you know what matters to you both are you passionate about starting a family are you passionate about travel are you both really dedicated to work like it's not going to work if one of you is like a lawyer gunning you know clocking in 80 hours a week and the other person really values like sitting on the couch watching movies together through the week do you know what I mean that immediately Mm. is going to cause huge friction in that relationship in my eyes Mm. and I've been with that guy I've been with the guy where his values didn't align with mine and it was so emotionally traumatic because Mm. to sum it up he was like I was priority number like three probably number one would have been like mates number two would have been work and number three was me and it's not that he didn't want to see me it's that if anything came up he would get FOMO and want to go and do that like oh no like I can't I can't plan ahead to Saturday night you know like that kind of vibe wow the worst and but it was really telling because his previous girlfriend he only saw once every week and they were together for like a year and I was like actually at the time I thought that was crazy but now I think well actually your values aligned because she also I assume was in the same position of of it wasn't her number one priority to spend heaps of quality time together you know Mm, well this human connection scientist that I spoke to sorry to interrupt but she was talking a lot about this kind of concept of intensity and frequency and finding people that match your intensity and match your frequency so it's like obviously intensity is like when you're with them and then like how 
it might be how um, how colourful the conversation is if there's like a lot of, you know, uh, animation as you're talking and, you know, loud noises and, and all that stuff or if it's more of like a kind of chilled, stripped back conversation and there could be a bit of silence and stuff. Um, and then frequency, obviously, like how often you need to see them to, um, you know, fill your cup and like what your, your loneliness threshold is too. But like that's their, obviously their frequency lined up perfectly. Yeah, exactly. That that is exactly it. Like their frequency was bang on and ours wasn't. Mm. And like I also then think, you know, we can analyze this stuff too much as well. Like it's yeah. so bad. But it's like for all the theories, I do still think there is a little bit of magic in it. Like and I fully stand by that and there is it's almost like two things can be true at once. Like you can go in eyes open kind of being aware that you aren't looking for somebody who is going to fulfill your every need, who Mm -hmm. is going to sweep you off your feet and you won't ever have to put work in while at the same time you can, you know, like really recognize that there, I do think there's a little magical moment when you meet a person that you click with. And, and this is, I guess, where it comes down to is that in and of itself is super special. Like you Mm. don't always meet people. Like how many dates have you been on where you're like, this is fine or this was terrible or, Mm -hmm. you know, I dated this guy for a few dates and then I just really didn't want to see them again. Like I went on so many, my God. And so like when you really do go on, like, you know, and go on a date, go on the next date and there's like this, you know, slow burn whether it's a slow burn or a magical instant kind of connection when you get to that connection point I think that that is still a really magical thing that we shouldn't like discredit just because it didn't happen the way Disney movies dictated it yeah a hundred percent my I've got a question for you Mm. So if we don't believe in the one, what does that mean that you don't believe? Like what's the correlation, the relationship, the overlap between the one and getting married? Ooh, yeah. Well, I think again, for me, I mean, marriage is a weird one. It's funny. Do you want to get married? Well, I'm always flip-flopping. Um, yeah. But then I think that a lot of my flip-flop is commitment issues that I still work through with my therapist. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> um, you know, but like if I think of marriage and what I look at marriage as, I think it's a deeper level of commitment to somebody that, you like I think that really in a way right if we look back at history the way that we conduct our relationships is kind of like entering into marriage to a degree like we've Mm. got like and thank god honestly that we have the freedom to like road test things a bit before we actually make those (laughs) commitments yeah but I'm like what like my parents met when they were like 14 um on and off for ages and then got married in their early 20s and they have had ups and downs like they've Mm. been together like 40 years now and they have had plenty of ups and downs plenty of moments that I'm sure they could have you know pulled the plug I think that socially we have like an issue with the idea of working on it where I think we've forgotten and this is my most controversial opinion and like (laughs) when I say this obviously there are this is there's so much nuance to this right I think that we are very bad at sacrifice now we don't like it we want everything I want I don't want to give up anything I don't want to I don't want to close off a road or close a door 
um, to pursue another one. And I think that really applies to dating and you see that in dating culture, right? Like, mm. you know, always one eye somewhere else. Like I don't want to close off the other doors. I'm, I'm sort of half in this door, but I'm like looking at the other doors just in case. Um, and so I think with marriage to make it work and not, not every marriage is going to work, right? But to make a healthy relationship continue to be healthy, mm. both people have to be constantly choosing the other person. Yeah. What do you it's think? It's like, yeah, well, constantly and actively choosing them. Like mm. it's, it has mm-hmm. to be an active effort. Like it's effort. Yeah, it's absolutely effort. And we don't like that. That's not cute and romantic. Doesn't sound like the Little Mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it is. Well, even in the Little Mermaid, actually, she had to like, I don't remember, this is, I'm going to botch the story of this, but, you well, know, she, she had to like. her voice or whatever. Yeah, and then she had to like swim out to the boat even though she couldn't swim or whatever and then interrupt the wedding to Ursula. Yeah. I don't know, like she like really fought for it. I don't know why you were using the Little Mermaid as an analogy here, but here yeah. we are. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, how about, how did Eric fight for it as much? No, let's, let's not, let's not dissect their relationship. They're happy. It's just going to disappoint off. us. It's going to yeah. disappoint us. They're doing their thing. They've sailed away. They've said goodbye to the mermaids. It's fine. But look, I mean, look, if I were going to say one more thing about the little mermaid is that in reality, <laughs> just to use this as another, another like, you know, poster for this for this conversation. In reality, Ariel is now out of the ocean. She's away from all of her family. Like that's going to have an impact on their relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like there's so many things. And this is why I think like I really love um, that more modern romantic like I feel like we grew up in this era of romantic comedies and 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 kids shows oh, were really yeah. fixated like fixated on this idea of finding this person and sailing off into the sunset and yeah. now don't you think that there's more like about finding yourself and like totally embracing your own power or like in terms of relationship-based films like people overcoming stuff and 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 people finding how love to be again single and, yeah you know I I think that's going to be such a positive impact on the next generation totally in a I way agree. that we just didn't have so yeah but yes yeah, so look at the end of this conversation we don't really have an answer <laughs> if you were looking have- for one sorry to disappoint <laughs> maybe we've left we have you some. more confused than ever <laughs> they're like everyone's like what what did I just listen to no I think we got somewhere in the end you know and I think and I think it's just good always to like reconsider how we've you know, the, the belief systems that we've picked up just from like childhood even. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm just happy that I could come on here and like I've totally um, and knowingly kind of flipped the script a bit and I was asking you questions because I don't have the answers <laughs> to everything, but I'm like, Mel, what about this? What about that? And you're like, whoa. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> I went from interviewer to interviewee and yeah, I loved yeah. it. As always, you're the best <laughs> chat. It's always Likewise. a great chat with you, Bridget. Um, and thanks so much for coming on Love Rants and everybody stay tuned for next week. We'll have another episode for you. And thanks for listening. Woohoo. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Join us again next week as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment, and preciousness of love and self love. Follow yuli.com.au on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date on all things women's health.